Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and this is the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. On this episode, I speak with Fabio Camana. Fabio is a longtime fitness educator. Fabio writes frequently for the Idea Fitness Journal. He's a regular speaker at all Idea events like World and the Personal Trainer Institutes East and South. And on this episode of the Empowered Entrepreneur, we talk about a few different topics. We discuss ways that you can engage your clients. We talk about behavior change and kind of theories of motivation. We also talk about branding, ways that you can present yourself and ways that you can market your trainer services via branding. We, if you have a brand, it is very easy to communicate the value of your fitness service. And we also talk a little bit about the international nature of fitness. We recorded this conversation not long after we returned from the first Idea China event. Now, Fabio and I, a number of years ago in 2009, when we were both working at the American Council on Exercise, we had the pleasure and the, and, the, and the honor of being invited to speak at the first Asia Fitness Conference in Bangkok, Thailand. And this past, you know, recently, we were at the first Idea Fitness event in China. So we've had the opportunity to be in, in two of the premier fitness events, two of the founding fitness events in Asia in the last 10 years. We talk about that a little bit and just how fitness is evolving into an international thing. Before we get into the conversation, I just want to give you a heads up that we connected when Fabio was on the road. He was actually speaking at the Orange Theory Fitness Conference, and it was the only time we could really connect. The recording quality in some parts gets a little bit muddled, and i let you know where that happens, but bear with me on the recording quality because this is such awesome content, and Fabio gives you such great insights into simple little things that you can do to become a more effective fitness professional. On this episode of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur, it is indeed an honor to sit down and have a conversation with Fabio Camana. I'm Pete McCall for the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur podcast. And it's really a pleasure to talk today with Fabio Camana, who is a longtime fitness industry educator. In fact, Fabio, just briefly, if you can just give us a little overview um, about who you work with and, and what about you when, when, you're not, uh, when you're not standing in front of a group of people, which I think you're always standing Hey Pete, how are you? So thanks again for having me on your podcast. Uh, quick, quick background. So as you know, I, you know, I, I, I teach full time at the university, so that's kind of my my main occupation. But then I do a lot of you know consulting in the fitness industry. I'm you know honored and privileged to be doing work with the National Academy of Sports Medicine with, uh, you know, Orange Theory Fitness, with Core Health and Fitness, and, you know, working with Idea and a few other people. So it's kind of, you know, fun to be able to, you know, kind of double dip, have my one foot in academia, and kind of that's my passion, and also have a, have a, uh, have an opportunity to, have, a, have an opportunity to kind of work in the fitness industry, because I think it, they, they mutually benefit, benefit each other. So I'm lucky to have that opportunity. And sorry, but I mean, you said university, and I know you mean, I know which one you mean, but uh, you might want to listen to which other Oh, sure. University. <laughs> so, sure. So, I'm with San Diego State University, so that's my alma mater, and it's kind of nice to be able to go back and actually give back to university and work at your own alma mater. So, San Diego State University in San Diego, California. Uh, yeah, it's a horrible place to live. Now, what I want to <laughs> ask you about today is the career path. It's a very, I've seen you speak before when you, when you talk to, you work students and you speak to fitness professionals about how they can grow their career. But first, before I go to the career path, where were we just a couple weeks ago? Um, what, where, where were we and what event were we a part of uh, for IDEA? 
So you and I were fortunate enough, and I think you kind of made point of it that we were kind of the first to do it two times, but you and I were the uh, part of the first core of fitness professionals that was invited by IDEA over to China in Shanghai to be part of the first IDEA China event. It was 29 of us, and so it was an honor to be kind of invited over there to speak. And really, this is the first of what I think is going to be a fantastic opportunity for IDEA where they are going to be helping build the you know, the fitness industry in the Chinese market, much like we have kind of in the U.S. market. Because by comparison, when we look at the U.S. market, it's pretty saturated at about 21 22% penetration. What I mean by that is, you know, the number of the public members that are members of clubs in China, with the population what it has, they're only at 1% penetration. So they've got a lot of upside. And I think the idea is partnering with the government to make something fantastic. Uh, but they've got a fantastic opportunity to do something really amazing here. And this is one of those sections where we had a little technical interference, but we pick it up again right here. 1.4 billion people. I think I was running this number. China has 1.4 billion people. So 1% means 140 million fitness consumers, which just pure numbers, that's a little bit ahead of the United States, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the target audience is, is phenomenal. But I think one of the problems that we're dealing with in China is that Chinese culture has yet to embrace exercise the way that the American culture has. So I think... There's going to be some growing pains, and I think, you know, this is where IDEA has to have a very powerful strategy to kind of work with the Chinese government to change the narrative about what exercise is and what it can be. I think if they do it right, there's tremendous upside and tremendous potential in terms of what they can get out of this, this, this opportunity. And now you've been working in Asia on and off for a number of years. I mean, we were part of the first uh, Asia Fitness Conference back yes. at the end of the 2000s. How have you seen the Asian market evolve and mature in the past decade? So from a standpoint, you know, certain, certain markets in, in Asia, like Japan, Singapore, and Hong Kong, are quite mature, but they're nowhere near the, the maturation level of the U.S. market. But when you look at some of the other ones, you know, like China, for example, you look at Indonesia, I mean, the penetration rates right now are still in the you know, single digits, which means they have a tremendous amount of growth to experience. Now, what I've been witnessing is two things. Number one, the margin between the U.S. market and the Chinese market is closing very, very quickly. In other words, even though they may have, they're experiencing their growth 30 years after us, they're closing that gap between them and us very quickly. And part of it is because of the education and the availability of equipment that's now going global. That's the first thing. So I'm seeing that they're, they're hopefully learning from our mistakes. They are closing that gap very quickly. But what I'm really interested or impressed by, sorry, is the fact that I look at the trainer that's coming out of those markets. They're very well educated. They are really, they, you know, whereas in the U.S. market, sometimes trainers will look at this as kind of a, a extracurricular vocation. In those markets, they see it as a career profession. So by that measure, I'm seeing that they're very passionate about their learning. They're very well read. They're very well studied. And I think that's going to ultimately lead to probably them having great success in that, in that region. Well, and that comes, I mean, that's, I wanted to start with that because what, I want, what we're speaking about today is career opportunities. Like where, where do you see fitness evolving? Because I think, you know, Fabio, that's one of the big benefits about IDEA, about being a member of IDEA, is IDEA is always helping its members understand that this isn't just a job, but it's a career. I mean, you and I have both been doing this. Yeah. Um, for a few years, <laughs> and um, and I really am interested, you know, your experience working internationally and your experience working with clubs and equipment companies, 
what are and being a university professor, what are some areas of growth? Where, if I'm a trainer in my first year or two of certification, what should I be thinking about for my career development? You know, I'll kind of, I mean, it's a great question to ask, and I'll kind of use myself as an example because, you know, my background is in the strength and conditioning when I was in the university setting. So I come from the world of sports performance. And as a strength and conditioning coach, really the, I mean, apart from a little bit of sports psychology, the, the, the way that you went about your business is because you've got scholarship athletes who have that drive, they're committed to their craft, you really were working with people that they weren't doing this voluntarily, they were doing this because it was required for their craft. And so you could really take a very directive approach. Directive approach is where you could just say, you know, in essence, jump in there and say, how high? Now, it, was a very, it was a rude awakening for me when I left that environment and I moved into the public sector. And if I try to say, jump, we expect them to say hi, they look at me and say, no, no thanks. <laughs> and so I had to quickly realize that, you know, this is a whole different persona that I'm working with. I'm working with the public now. And I think when I look at where personal training has its strengths and weaknesses and I look at the future, I think this idea of coaching is becoming very relevant. I think we're transitioning out of this role of trainer. And if you look at what Orange Theory does, they don't even call their, you know, their trainers trainers. They call them coaches because the idea is to embrace this idea of being, to embrace this practice of being more collaborative in nature, of being someone who is going to, you know, when you work with people, is to kind of just be, I always use the analogy of you're a tugboat helping navigate the big ship out of the harbor rather than being the captain of the ship. And as trainers, I think sometimes we assume too much of a role of being the captain of the ship. Whereas as a coach, you kind of are becoming that, that you know, that tugboat. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand, you know, why people won't move more and eat less. And that's really the essence of coaching. So I think if there's one thing I could say that if we're looking at the U.S. market and the international markets, what can they do differently today, that new trainer, is really invest not in just into the exercise science. Trust me, I'm an exercise physiologist. I love the exercise science. But invest as much of your learning into communication, rapport building, and being able to facilitate an understanding of why people are struggling to change behavior and then know how to help them change their behaviors. So I think the life coaching part of it is becoming embraced within the fitness industry, and I think it's becoming an integral part of what the trainer of tomorrow is going to need to do and have to do to be successful. And by coaching, I mean, you mean you're kind of directing. You're not leading people. That's why I like the tugboat analogy because a tugboat doesn't just move the ship. It just guides the ship through the yep. harbor. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. And what are some resources? I mean, other than cause a lot of people just don't have the – ability, the time or, or the, the money to go back to school and do like a formal psychology program, but what are some resources that you're aware of that can help people enhance their coaching skill? Sure. Uh, well, you know, there's a difference between psychology and coaching. So psychology is really getting down the root of understanding how people, you know, the cognitive process, how people behave. Coaching has a little bit of that, but it's a much softer approach where it has to do more with kind of collaborating to understand and then be able to kind of navigate them as you act as a tug, using the tugboat analogy, help them navigate their way out of the harbor. So when you talk about resources, you and I obviously, our history is we work together at the American Council on Exercise. And one of the things that I loved about what ACE did was they had a health coach credential. Now, some people may say, well, it's not really a full-fledged, you know, coaching credential. But you know what? It doesn't need to be. We have – there's really no governance of the word coach. 
there are a lot of coaching credentials out there, like the International Coaching Federation. But the problem is their credential is extremely expensive. And I think for what you are working to get, it's not worth that money. So I would say the ACE Health Coach is a great place to start. And and when you look at coaching, that young trainer, that might not really, they might not really understand what that all encompasses. But what are just one or two examples? Like if you're if you're working with me, Fabio, and you're trying to help me to move towards the goal, like what are one or two little examples that you can provide to show how coaching is a little bit different than training? Yeah, I'd say the first thing, you know, for example, I, I don't make the assumption when someone comes to me, and this is what I would recommend for coaching, someone comes to me and says, you know, I need to change behavior. Trainer makes the assumption that this person must be ready to start a, a change process right now. Unfortunate reality is when you look at some of the work by Prochaskin that Clement from the 1970s when they created one of the leading models, the prevalent models in helping understand how people go about changing behavior, about 20% are actually ready for an intervention. The other 80% actually need to be coached towards that readiness to change. And so some of the things I do is I go through, you know, sitting down trying to assess a person's readiness to change. I look at trying to understand their core values because... You know, a lot of people think, oh, you just take motivation. Unfortunately, motivation is too wavering and too unpredictable to rely on it all the time. And then I, I do, I use some tools to kind of try and understand what would be something that they believe they can do. It may not be the best thing, but it might be a great place to start. And, and I think that's the whole point of coaching. It's just a softer approach. Rather than saying, great, starting Monday, we're going to go three days a week and we're going to go hard. You know, you might, they might stick with it for several weeks to get committed to that program. There comes a point of time where they're going to say, no, I'm done. So we need to be able to, I think, empower them. And I think that's really some of the key things, is really understanding why they won't do things and peel back those layers so that you can get them to the point where they feel empowered, believe they can do something, even if it's small, and that's a great starting point. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful to hear. I don't think a lot of people realize that because people have the perception of they're going to be a personal trainer because they like working in the gym. I like working out. I like working in the gym. I want to help other people. And if you had, knowing what you know about curriculum development and curriculum design, if you could start from scratch and develop a program to, to create the personal trainer of the future, what areas of study would it involve? You know, would, it, would it rely on physiology? Would it rely on behavior? I mean, where would you place most of the emphasis? I think, you know, as I say, you know, I, I kind of look at this and I use this as a, kind of an example. You know, some people say, you take a group fitness instructor who has the, the personal skills and teach them science? And the answer is yes. Can I take a personal trainer who's, who's educated all this wonderful science and make them a great fitness instructor? And the question might be no. Because sometimes at the end of the day, it comes down to you've either got the personality or you've got that skill set to be able to engage people and you're able to connect with people and you're able to build rapport. So I think that's where our greatest weakness lies. So if I was starting something, starting a curriculum, the places I would start with is teaching them how to communicate effectively, how to, you know, so before I even got into, say, health risk assessment and screening, I'd want them just to be able to learn how to talk to a person, how to engage a person, how to make them feel that they can do this and how to help understand what it is that they're struggling with. So listening skills, communication skills, rapport building skills, you know, and then giving them the tools so that they can help understand why the person is stuck where they're stuck or why they're ambivalent about change or why they're resistant to change. And if I can get that done first, that would be my first part, and I would keep building on those concepts. Then I can sprinkle in all the science. Because the reality is, as you and I know, there's no limit to the science. I've got to give you the science that you're not dangerous, right, that you're competent, 
but that could be an ongoing process. So I want to give you the tool sets to be successful. So the first thing I'm going to start with is the really, you know, the soft skills. Then I'll bring in the hard science, and then I want to bring in the business side of it because we also need to help trainers learn how to brand themselves. It's not just about selling sessions. It's how to sell the value of your brand because what we're experiencing today with the advent of all these online programs and the fact that people are spending less and less time in the gym, there's a little bit of what I call value erosion. And believe it or not, as much as technology is wonderful, we're also competing with it. And so I would want to do on the back end of that a little bit of, of helping them understand how to build their own brand so they can be successful. And that is, you know, I've heard you talk about branding before. How would be an example? How could somebody identify a, a brand of, that would work for them and their needs? Well, you know, the first question is, you know, think about this. If you walk into your club and, you know, you wear the label of personal trainer, if you have the brand that people want to be associated with, they would come up to you, shake your hand, give you a high five. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen right now. So if you walk into a club and a person doesn't know you, you walk up to them, make eye contact with them, and you put the label personal trainer on, what's probably going through their mind is, what have I done wrong or what are you trying to sell me? Unfortunately, those are negative. There are negative connotations. And I just don't think that's conducive to be. And here's another, here's another section where the Internet gremlins were interfering with our connection. Thanks for bearing with us, and we pick up right here. But, you know, exercise and diet don't resonate with people. So the things I want to do as I'm getting to know a person is to find out what kind of vernacular resonates with them because, believe it or not, we're in the business of making experiential, providing experiential solutions. I want everything to be a positive experience. So from the way I talk to people, the words I use, that's part of building your brand. At the end of the day, you want people to do what? To be raving fans and go tell the world about you because the most powerful way to get your, your, your message or your brand out there to other people. So if you give them the positive experiences, which means don't try to kill them. Let them know that what you're doing is a part of something bigger, that you are also trying to help empower them to become a better person all around. And I think if we just shift our mindset a little bit, then they start to see the value in what you're offering, and they start telling the world how wonderful you are. So to me, it comes down to you want to get that word of mouth. You want to have those raving fans who are telling the world how wonderful you are. And with so that's that that is one thing I think a lot of trainers don't realize that's an important. I think, and I'll, I'll actually fault health club companies for this, Fabio, is they put a lot of emphasis on sales. Of, I'm just trying to get you know I need you to sell this much personal training or sure, earn sure. this much revenue per month, and so they don't think long term in, in terms of that relationship development. It's all short term. Well, let me just sell the sessions, and I'll worry about the stuff later. Yeah. You know, so I think that's one area where we can we can change that. How would a coaching model how could that enhance, you know, a studio or a facility's business to shift from the training model to a coaching model? So, you know, one of the things I say, you want to go from what we call a selling environment to a buying environment. So if you can shift, you know, where, where you know, rather than having to go out there and physically sell your value and sell your session to a point where people start to realize that, hey, this is something I want to be a part of. So we do what, think of how everyone wants to be a part of Starbucks, how everyone wants to be a part of, you know, maybe CrossFit, how everyone wants to be a part of the Apple, you know, the, the, the or be part of the, the genius, you know, bar. There are certain things that people naturally want to be a part of. So I look at what I call Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I always look at the lowest ends of his, the lowest levels of his hierarchy. His two lowest levels are purely physiological and safety. If you think about it, if someone goes into the gym, you know, they want some sort of physiological transformation and they want to do it in a safe environment where they don't get hurt. Same thing, if you own a club and that's how your employees see you, well, you're providing a physiological need. You're giving them a paycheck so they can buy food, pay their rent, and you're giving them safety, like health insurance. 
and all they have is a job, which means it's what their expectation was. There's nothing holding them to you. They don't see anything valuable in what you're doing. So what clubs need to do and what the coaching models need to do is to teach people to go to Maslow's next level. Next levels are a sense of belonging and self and, and sort of self-esteem. So a sense of belonging is making them feel that they're actively part of something that's meaningful and that they're actually, and then the self-esteem is that they're being appreciated for what it is they provide or that they're a part of. And so I think clubs can do that to their employees. I think in a coaching model, we've got to get the trainer who's now becoming a coach to actually have that mindset to really let them feel they're part of something. So one of the things I look at is, you know, I give little hints, like little, you know, little sort of uh, examples. You sign up for a run. I give you the T-shirt. The T-shirt means nothing. If you give it to me before the run, it's really a rag to my car. However, if you make me work for it, so I'm in your sessions, I've spent six weeks training with you consistently. You do a big thing. You have a graduation. And you make some fancy and you bring in some of the more veteran people into it and you do what? You reward me my first shirt. Much like we do in martial arts, you're getting your first belt. Now there's something meaningful there because you're physically a part of something and, you're the, and the veterans are there to welcome you and then you're doing what? You have that aspiration to move towards the next one, which could be the next t-shirt by getting your next milestone. And if you can start to do these things, people start to feel that they're part of something. And you start to appreciate them. You know, you've got a, you're thinking of introducing a new workout to what it is you do. And so all of a sudden, you have this opportunity where, you know, rather than just say, you know, hey, if you give me another client, I'll give you a free training session or I'll give you this, you know, a Starbucks coffee cup, uh, you know, Starbucks card or, a, you know, iTunes card. What if you had this opportunity where you could say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm about to start a new program and given how valuable I think your feedback has been in the time you've been with me, I'd love for you more than anyone else basically be able to be the first to try this and give me a feedback so I can kind of fine-tune it. People feel recognized that. They feel, they feel that there's value and importance in that. So I think it's, it comes down again. This is just how you're treating people and how you're talking to them. And I think that if we started this process early and we kept kind of reinforcing that, we could get the trainer someday to be the coach of tomorrow. So you have coaching, you have branding, you have communication. Now, how about exercise trends, Fabio? I mean, like for the last number of years we've been focused on this all high intensity interval trading and all that. Where do you think we're going to go in the next few years in terms of types of exercise or modes of exercise? How do you so, think that's going to shift? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the hit concept, although the fitness industry needs to revisit what their definition of it is because it's not really true scientific hit, it will remain because it's not a fad. It's a trend because of the time efficiency. You can get health and performance outcomes in a fraction of the time. So given how, you know, given what we call opportunity cost, you know, and how time is such a precious commodity, you know, I think that will stay. But what I do think is happening, and I know you've been a very big advocate of this, I think we, there's still, I think, and as science is evolving, I think the myofascial research is changing very much because we've now gone in vivo and we're getting great video footage of the role of the fascia in vivo rather than through cadavers. And I think so. I think the whole idea of what the, myo, the role of the myofascia is to the human body and hydration and movement, I think that's a big area. I think the other big area is recovery. I think, you know, especially with an aging population, you and I know this with Gen X's, we just can't train the way. I mean, it's kind of the antithesis of HIT. You know, HIT is just killing the body. So I think there's going to have to be more of an emphasis on recovery and realizing that people can't do this every day. So I think if I was to sum this up, I think there's going to be, number one, you know, a little bit more emphasis on unloaded, three-dimensional, integrated movement. So the myofascial side of it, the tissue hydration and all that. I think the recovery portion is going to be critical to be able to complement 
and it's going to be much needed, this crazy hip training stuff that we're doing. Hip training is not going to go away, but I also think we're also starting to appreciate, if you look at some of the research coming out, that it's not all about exercise. There are research studies showing over and over again that if you do little bits of exercise, you can still enjoy some health benefits. You can enjoy some of the benefits that generally we believe are only derived from exercise. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there, too, where we can say, what can you do outside of your workout? And that becomes part of a bigger holistic approach. And I think those are going to be where we see kind of emerging trends in the future. Well, that's a lot of information to, to absorb, Fabio. I really I appreciate your time. I know I'm catching you. You're, you know, for listeners, Fabio uh, travels around. We live in San Diego together, but I very rarely see him actually in San Diego. We more uh, bump into each other in other corners of the globe. And you're, for example, you're not in San Diego right now. I know you're in uh, Colorado, correct? Yep, correct. All right. So, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. And if anybody wants to find out a little bit more kind of what you're doing, I know you'll be speaking at Idea Events in 2019. What else? Uh, where else can people find you if they want to learn a lot? Uh, so, you know, a lot of my stuff at the university is now gone. You know, it becomes the IP property of the university. But I do post stuff occasionally on Facebook. And I am at a lot of conferences, like you and I see each other at the SCW conferences, the SD Idea conferences. I do work with Orange Theory and NASM, so at their respective conferences. So generally, you know, just somehow reach out to me, and hopefully I'll be able to get, get back to you in a timely manner. All right. Well, Fabio, I, hey, man, I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate everything you bring to the industry. So thanks for your time today, man. Perfect. Thanks, Pete, and thanks for all your great work. Keep it up. First of all, I want to apologize about the quality of the sound. When you speak, you know, when you speak with somebody over the internet, you don't always get a great connection, and we try to fix it one or two times, but it just didn't come through. I wanted to keep the conversation though, because Fabio, anybody who's ever taken a workshop with Fabio or <clears throat> gone to one of his lectures, Fabio is one of the probably one of the smartest people in our industry. And I, and I mean, there are a lot of smart people in fitness that that work in fitness and that work in the commercial side. Fabio straddles the line between academic. He's he's not a researcher. I mean, he's not in a lab in a university researching. He's primarily a lecturer, so he teaches. But he also has his hands on the fitness industry, so he understands the theory and application. The theory, but he also knows the application because he's done it. In the conversations that we have, I wanted to have this. Con- I wanted to record this because Fabio and I often have these conversations at work, and and when we do connect and we have dinner and stuff out on the road, because we talk about ways that we can serve trainers better. You know, as educators, our responsibility is to help you. Our responsibility is to identify tools, resources, information that you need to give yourself better tools, to give you trainers and instructors better tools to help clients. And so whether it's behavior change, whether that's branding, there are a number of things to look at that you can put in your toolbox. Because your trainer, your fitness toolbox isn't just the exercises you know. It's a behavior change. It's can you engage people? Can you establish rapport? You know, exercise, when you look at it, you know, we have these conversations, you know, when we're at a show or something, we're, we're, we're having dinner, we have these conversations because we all know that exercise is only a small component of successful behavior change. You need to have people around you that are supporting you. You need to be able to know what to do when you do get to a gym. There are so many different things. It's hard to put the finger on any one topic. You have to have the right branding to have people attract you. When we have these conversations, and when I have these conversations with somebody like Fabio, I try to direct it into a point to give you some ideas. And the purpose of this conversation was to give you a few different ideas for education. So as we look at 2019, as the year gets started, as you might be looking at your career development and your professional development and your education, think about 
not only just programming and what exercises are cool, but think about behavior change. What can you learn about behavior change that can help your clients? You know, think about how to engage people. Think about establishing report. Think about communication. What areas can you learn in those in, in those realms to make you a better trainer? Because guess what? Exercise is the easy part. Program, developing a workout is relatively easy. That's not that hard. Engaging your clients so they show up and keep coming back for the workouts, that's the key. Fabio puts out a lot of great information about that. Obviously, you can read it. He does a lot of writing for Idea. He speaks at the Idea events. That's why I wanted to have him on. You can, he doesn't really do much social media. You can find him on Facebook at Fabio Kamana. I'll have a connection or two for him down below in the notes. But thank you for tuning in this episode of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur. We're trying to bring you great information to help you keep inspiring the world of fitness. 